Everything is alright. Everything is alright. Everything is alright. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Everything is Alright podcast with me, Mike Espinoza. Well, this is uh, episode two. It's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, in comic books, episode one or, or um, what's the number one um, issue, right? Issue number one is always the big deal. And uh, usually it's, it's worth the most money in a series, right? Because it's number one. It's the first time you see the characters, blah, blah, like Superman action comics, number one, or, you know, Amazing Fantasy with Spider-Man. I don't know if that's a number one or not. I'm not really sure. Um, but I love comic books. And so it was pretty exciting for me to make a number one. I don't know why. And now we're on issue number two. Issue number two uh, doesn't usually do as good as uh, as is issue number one. So I don't know. We'll see what happens, guys. Uh, this is pretty exciting. I've, I've gotten some great feedback. Um, on episode one, um, and it was interesting to see the different types of feedback. Like some people like the song, some people like um, the essay where I talk about going to buy albums. Um, some people like my advice <clears throat> on listening to music, like by um, shuffling an album instead of just listening it, listening to it from song one through song 10 or whatever in sequence, you know, change up the sequence. You hear different things. Um, it also, when you do that, when you shuffle a CD, uh, after you've, you've gotten used to the normal sequence, uh, it's fun to shuffle it. Um, I think it adds more life to the album because you don't know what's coming next. It makes it more novel. I don't know. It makes you pay attention more. Um, what else did people like? Um, I think that's it. I think that's all they liked. Oh, some people uh, are looking forward to symbolism, which uh, I'm going to do a lot of. I'm going to do a lot of uh, discussing symbols and meaning, and uh, I'm probably going to do like a whole series on tarot cards, because why not? If you're a listener, I want you to be able to take something away from this podcast, because that's what it's for. It's to share knowledge, to share joy, to um, open your eyes, see things that you haven't seen before. So yeah. It made me think of uh, a story. Um, This is an old metaphorical story that uh, that I learned recently. So um, there's a farmer. He's um, working on a farm near Athens. And uh, he's working close to a road. A traveler stops by. Traveler asks, uh, hey, um, I'm trying to get to, to Athens. Am I headed in the right direction? And the farmer says, yeah, yeah, you are. It's just down the road. 
and the traveler asked, "Well, you know, uh, this is my first time coming to Athens. Uh, what are the what are the people like?" And the farmer says, "Well, where are you from?" And the traveler says, "I'm from Argos." And the farmer says, "Well, tell me about the people in Argos, and I'll tell you about the people in Athens." <clears throat> the traveler says, "Oh, the people in Argos—they're just a, a wonderful bunch of people. They're happy all the time. Uh, they're just happy to be in a city. There's lots of music and dances all the time. And you know, the people there—they will—they'll give you the shirt off their back." for you if you need anything just wonderful people and the uh the farmer says well good news then because in athens we've got the same type of people you're gonna uh if you love um argos and you love your people there you're gonna love the people in athens traveler is like oh great that's wonderful all right well thanks thanks for your help so the uh the farmer goes back to work and um a couple of moments later, another traveler comes by. Hey, I'm uh, new here. I'm trying to get to Athens. Mind the right, going in the right direction. And the farmer says, "Yeah, yeah, you are." And the traveler, second traveler, is like, "Well, what kind of people are in in Athens?" <clears throat> and the uh, The farmer says, um, well, why don't you tell me where you're from and what the people are like there, and, and I'll tell you about the people in Athens. And the traveler number two says, oh, I'm from Argos. Let me tell you, the, the people in Argos are the worst people on the planet. They're disgusting, ill-mannered, lousily dressed. They're just uh, the worst people on the planet. And uh, the farmer says, oh, then I have bad news for you because the people in Athens are the exact same. <clears throat> so that's a little story um, that talks about how our beliefs shape our perceptions. Right, and what we expect to see is what we'll see. We get into reality tunnels, right? That's a big danger these days. So uh, we're moving on <clears throat> to um, the next part of my uh, podcast here. Uh, and, you know, I'm just going to talk about whatever the hell I want most of the time. And um, before I get to um, the part of the podcast where I share some writing with you, I'm going to share part two or just the final couple of rules for how to listen to an album. Uh, I recently published that on Wattpad. Uh, I figured I could publish my writing there and then read it on the podcast. 
and then uh, just talk about other things that I enjoy on the po uh, podcast, things that, like music and uh, books and movies and um, other podcasts. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but what I wanted to do right now uh, was I've had my son, who's seven, I've had him in violin lessons for about a year now. And we started, we got a few lessons in, and then the pandemic hit, right? So we had to stop doing in-person. We started doing Zoom lessons right away. And Zoom lessons with a kid, seven years old, didn't go that well. It's too easy to look away, to be distracted by other stuff. And um, and then, you know, the teacher wasn't in the room with them. And uh, I was there and, and I play instruments a little bit. So I was able to guide him a little bit. And, we, and we've progressed. He's done well. And I, I recently talked to his teacher about... Um, about his progress, because I was a little bit worried about some behavior issues, but turns out he's just uh, distracted when he's outside. Because that now we started doing in-person uh, lessons, which is awesome and fun, and it's a, a beautiful thing. Because we, we were sitting in the backyard, and it's like Austin, Texas, uh, you know, springtime. So you know, it's like 70 degrees, mid 70s, low 80s, just perfect in the evening. And uh, we're sitting in his nice backyard, and and Mr. Noble's playing violin, and Jonah's playing violin, and uh, it's just like a wonderful, beautiful thing. I, it, it's still new to me um, to to watch my son. Jonah's his name. I didn't know if I wanted to say his name on the the podcast, but I already did. So who cares, right? It's all out there. Um. So yeah, just watching Jonah play with his teacher is just a wonderful thing. Uh, well, anyway, so now it's been a year, and you know we're learning all these songs and learning the basics and learning how to hold a bow, and we've we've done all this stuff. So we're finally moving on to the Suzuki uh, School of Violin. Now we're going to start this book, the Suzuki Violin School Volume One, and. Um, so I started taking a look at it because I love to read and I love violin. In fact, I'm learning how to play too, like just because, um, you know, he's in the lesson and I practice with him. So I'm learning too. And secretly, I've always wanted to learn how to play violin. So it's pretty awesome because I'm taking lessons. He's taking lessons. It's pretty neat. And he's pretty good. He's um, he's maybe sounds a little bit better than I do because like, he actually practices more than I do. Anyway, so what I wanted to do was just read this um, intro because it's amazing. Um, I don't know if any of you have um, sons or daughters in violin lessons, or maybe you took violin lessons. But uh, but what amazes me is just the philosophy um, in this violin book. Uh, so I'll read it to you. So this is the foreword. And this is the title. The destiny of a child is in his parents' hands. Education begins the day a child is born. 
As an infant's body grows day by day, its powerful life force absorbs all the stimuli it receives externally, developing in the process of acquiring ability. Without stimulus to the life force, there will be no development in the child. Under conditions of neglect, nothing and no one can grow. For more than 40 years of experimental pedagogy, I have come to know without a doubt that ability is not inborn. Please raise your child to be a fine human being. Heart and ability, I like that, I'm going to underline that. Heart and ability depend entirely on the manner of nurturing. Everyone knows how important it is to cultivate seedlings with care. Yet some parents are inattentive and indifferent to their children's development. Without exerting any effort, they resign themselves to the thought that my child was born this way. I hope you will not repeat this lamentable mistake from past eras of human civilization. Please consider the fact that your child is developing the ability to speak with complete ease and that the children... Uh, uh, and that children the world over develop the wondrous ability to master their own native language. Does not every child develop marvelous abilities? Similarly, any child proper, properly nurtured will develop abilities in other areas besides language acquisition. For my research of this pedagogical methodology of mother tongue acquisition, I have created an educational approach known as the Suzuki Method. Just as every child has the potential to develop tremendous abilities in the mastery of his mother tongue, each child has been imbued with the potential to develop musical abilities. Please do not fail to nurture your child. Underline that. Uh, it is a mistake to think that your child's future is only a matter of heredit heredity or inborn qualities. In response to the skill and ingenuity of the nurturer, any child can be fostered to achieve a high level of ability. Those are bold words. Any child. Children will grow according to this law of ability. Everything depends on the method of nurturing. Everything depends on the method of nurturing. The same method may yield different outcomes in different children. Every child has the potential to develop ability in any field at least to the level of his ability to master his mother tongue. Every child is a wonderful creature, a precious being. Please give your child the opportunity to be nurtured, and please explore the best ways to nurture him. Wow. So that was uh, the first, the little forward here, about half a page. Um, another thing I underlined, says, uh, once motivation is in place, your child will practice with enjoyment and develop nicely. The violin is a medium for cultivating human character, ability, and heart. Very cool. So that's it. That's uh, the Suzuki method, which uh, we started today, and uh, it was pretty awesome. And uh, so far from what I've seen, I'm an, I'm an educator and I'm in the classroom and now I have my own kids and I was in the classroom as a kid. So 
I've seen so many wonderful children and so many wonderful people. And uh, we could all learn, right? We can all learn these things. And I think um, what's interesting is um, from a Jungian perspective, so um, I, I've gotten into Jungian stuff. I think I talked about that last time about, you know, through tarot cards, archetypes, all this stuff. Well, what I've learned is everything that we see, movies, stories, music, uh, violin, instruction booklets. You could look at it through a Jungian lens and say, hey, this is talking about me. I am the child. There's a child within me. And uh, it's up to me to nurture it. Who else is going to do that? We all can speak well, right? Sometimes I doubt my abilities as a speaker or writer, teacher. But uh, who cares, right? Just, just express yourself and enjoy it and learn. So remember in the beginning, I said the destiny of a child is in his parents' hands. Well, it's like, well, that child is within you and your parents are within you in more ways than one, right? Like, but really it's all yourself and you're in charge of yourself and um, you can strive to be better, which uh, we all should do, right? Uh, what's interesting uh, is I had a, I have a wonderful friend uh, named Max, and he's a, a great drummer. And he showed me um, this book, and it was a, a drum instruction book, kind of like this. And it had like this great philosophy in it. So about uh, what was the key thing? There was like a key aspect to uh, performance. What was it? I'm um, having a hard time remembering. Was it performance? I can't remember. Um, but it, it struck me. I can't remember why. I'm gonna have to ask him. Maybe I can get him on the podcast. As you can tell, uh, I am. I do have a new mic, and it sounds better already. So look, I'm learning. I'm getting. I'm, I'm gonna invest in equipment and stuff eventually, and uh, we're gonna keep on going with this. So we're gonna nurture this podcast like a child. It's, it's a seed. It's going to grow. And from the um, feedback I've gotten, I mean, there's it could be a wonderful thing. But what was it? Was it practice? What was it? Oh, man. I'm going to ask Max, and maybe I'll, I'll make another segment. Because uh, I am going to read my, uh, my essay to you guys. It's a little late. It's... Um, it's Tuesday. It's been a long day. And I think the, what I'm going to do is like throughout the week, I'm going to record segments of this podcast and then put all all out on, um, on Friday. But yeah, so it's, uh, it's time for me to go to bed and I should stop clapping every time I say something. It's not Twitter, right? Doesn't that annoy you, like on Twitter, those little hand clap symbols? I don't know why it annoys me. And especially when they do it after every word. I hate when people put 
hand claps after every word. Anyway, um, okay, well, have a good night, and uh, I'll be recording again, and hopefully uh, this will be released on Friday. Good to be back. It's good to be here uh, with you right now doing this podcast in my creaky chair. And uh, I got a new mic, so it sounds a little better. And I'm about to finish up with uh, my music essay, which I said before some people liked, which is great. Um, Let me find it. All right, rule number nine. So this essay uh, is just about listening to music and uh, the different ways to experience music, the the different ways that I know how. There's an infinite way uh, to experience music, and this is just 13 of the the rules, my rules. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. So uh, rule number nine. Attempt to write an original song. Writing your own original song can develop your appreciation of music and the artistic difficulty that every musician goes through to birth a work of art. Bang some pots and pans together and proclaim your love for the sun and all its glorious splendor. Declare your undying love for the feminine beauty of the moon. What comes out of you might be good, uh, but can you really compare it to the passion of youthful genius, the years of developed dexterity, the lyrical inspiration from the gods? Can it compare to the technical wizardry of the recording engineers, the band members required to come together and bring a common vision to fruition? The fact that music exists at all is truly a miracle considering all the distractions that entice us away. Things like money, sex, drugs, men, women, love, oppression, repression, death, destiny, distracting us from our true selves. Rule number 10, enter the mind of a fellow human. When we listen to an album, we are hearing someone's personal story. We are listening to their experience in their own words and getting a grand picture of their sufferings and emotions. What is their world like? What do they think about? What is important to them? How are they different from us? How deep is their love, hate, and passion? Do we feel the same way? Have they put into words things that we couldn't have ourselves? Every person is entirely unique world that we can visit. What would it be like to be them? They will try to tell us. They will tell us how they feel and they will express their emotions through the music, tones, rhythms, and melodies. Who do you love? Who do you hate? What frustrates you? What are your darkest fears? What triggers your murderous anger? Musicians and their music are mirrors that we can glimpse ourselves in. By knowing them, we know ourselves. Sometimes I try to absorb the same books or music as the people that I admire in an effort to internalize or consume a piece of them. I guess that's kind of like sharing a meal. In some ways, I want them in me and I want to be in them. 
and listening to the same song or reading the same book, well, it's like sharing a meal. Oh, I already wrote that. Uh, if we consume the same meal, we become the same, we bond. All of this is to fight the existential loneliness, to join and commune with another. I knew a pretty young woman, very sexy. I noticed what book she was reading, <clears throat> and I went out and I read the same book. Uh, my favorite album of all time is The Wall by Pink Floyd. For some reason, I was interested in madness. Why? Why do people go mad? In a way, yeah, of course we understand. This is a crazy, fucked up world. So in this album, Pink goes nuts. Uh, when he is just a babe, his father dies in a war. His mother is overprotective and suffocates him. He becomes a rock star, his wife cheats on him, and he falls into the abyss. He is alone, cut off, and builds a wall to hide from the world. I was in high school at the time, and I was introduced to this masterpiece feeling I may go mad myself. interesting about that statement is um, what was driving me mad was it the music or was it life don't know uh, academics weren't too much of a worry but what was I gonna be my family had fractured did anybody love me I wanted to fuck all the pretty girls I knew but I had no idea how to get the process started I was a serial monogamist just desperate for love and affection that I had been denied elsewhere I had friends who played music and we hung out. I experimented with drugs and listened to the wall and felt a kindred spirit. The world was interestingly complex. There was a hidden order underneath the chaos and I struggled to find my meaning. I learned more, I graduated, went to college and tried to build a life to the best of my abilities. I felt like the wall was the greatest piece of music ever created. And not only was it an album, but it was also a movie. This movie turned people on their heads. In high school, uh, which I had mentioned earlier, uh, I had an amazing girlfriend, girlfriend that was uh, also really into music. It was truly great to share this love of music with her. I remember being home alone with her. We smoked some weed on some railroad tracks by my house and it went back to my house and hung out uh, in the living room. We used my dad's stereo system that he hooked up to the TV to achieve a superior sound and loudness. We started the wall and instantly, again, I felt like it was too serious, too mind-blowing to watch. Like our precious little minds could not handle the magnitude of meaning. We might have turned it off and listened to Primus. I remember we had a cute synchronicity when the singer of Primus says aluminum can my girlfriend pointed to an aluminum can on the table and said very zombie like aluminum can that was such a stoner moment but uh, gotta look back on it with affection and tenderness and i feel the urge to smoke some weed and go watch the movie right now actually what's funny is uh just a few minutes ago before recording this i um i decided maybe i should talk about the wall i didn't know if i was going to have enough <clears throat> uh, material to fill out an entire podcast just reading this uh, this essay. So I thought I'd listen to the wall and um, take some notes. So I might, I might do that in a minute. But uh, it was quite the experience. And the synchronicity is, uh, I don't know if it's just an alignment of uh, coincidences. Like, I mean, it, it kind of is an amazing coincidence when you think about it. Like, 
my girlfriend and I were stoned, and uh, then we decided to listen to the um, Primus song, and we were paying attention, and there was an aluminum can there, and he said aluminum can. So when you think about the um, existence and how everything had to happen just so for that moment to happen, it's very strange. Uh, okay, on with the essay. I felt like I had discovered the message. I understood what Pink Floyd was trying to say. I received the message and it all made sense and it enhanced the meaning and enjoyment of each and every listen and viewing of the movie. The wall was the experience of watching a man go insane, spurred by jealousy, delusions of grandeur, and an all-you-can-eat drug binge. He goes nuts, shaves his eyebrows, and then his psyche puts him on trial. The judge sentences Pink to tear down the emotional wall he built, ending on a positive note. Many years later, my wife bought his tickets in the uh, 13th row of a performance of The Wall by Roger Waters, the original singer and lyricist that wrote the concept and story of The Wall. This experience was beyond belief and perfectly combines the enjoyment of listening to music and seeing a live show. Yeah, it's pretty damn awesome. All right. Um, Rule number 11, listen to music of special eras of time and place. In the 2000s, so what are we now? Right now it's 2021, pretty crazy. In the 2000s, while I was attending the University of Texas at Austin, which is about 360 miles from the closest thing that I had to a hometown, good old Brownsville, Texas, I felt an urge to listen to the music of my heritage and family, which was strange because I had honestly not enjoyed Mexican music up until that point. I shunned the music and the language of my ancestors. My parents chose to not teach my brother and I Spanish. The Hispanic parents of my era wanted their children to seamlessly assimilate into the culture of the English-speaking United States. They didn't want their children talking with Mexican accents. It worked as far as I can tell because I don't have a Mexican accent that I'm aware of. Uh, one time I went on uh, an interview. Oh, this is... Um, I was in college at the time studying uh, engineering, civil engineering, structural. Uh, one time I went on an interview at an architecture firm and the interviewer complimented me on the fact that I did not have an accent. You don't sound Hispanic, he said, and then didn't hire me. So it worked. I sound like an American, but uh, what did I lose? I've heard many tales of Hispanic people like me not accepted in the United States because of the way we look not accepted by Mexicans because we don't speak Spanish. We live in a strange, lonely nether world, a people without a true home, in between worlds, never fully accepted by either place. To be honest, I shunned my heritage, my native language, my people's music. In my high school years, I wanted to be a part of the 90s grunge and heavy metal world. At that time, when I lived in Brownsville, my family threw parties almost every weekend. My uncles would barbecue enormous masses of fajitas on their 90s American-style red barbecue pits. My tias, my aunts, uh, would cook enormous stockpots full of Spanish rice and frijoles, charro beans. Man, uh, thinking about that makes me want to go back. For real. I should do like an old old-style Espinosa family barbecue. Anyway, 
All the while, various styles of Mexican music would play, sometimes against the backdrop of a Dallas Cowboys football game. I have very fond memories of all my family members and their friends dancing the night away. My beloved grandpa would howl along with the great mariachi singers in his time. When my grandpa crooned along to his favorites, I would scoff and flirt with the girls that I met there and try to get drunk. Because we had, you know, family would bring other friends. And so I wasn't flirting with family members. Anyway, uh, when I lived in Austin as a young college student, I still flirted with girls and got drunk, but I felt my family's absence. I missed my family and I missed their music, our music. I had become a ghost, holding on to the faded memories of my soul. The music of Austin was vastly different than the music of Brownsville. Austin was and is the live music capital of the world, so they say. Maybe only a handful of artists were world-renowned, but the people of Austin loved live music, and many people from all over the world would flock here to take part. There were hundreds of live music venues downtown, all kinds and types of music. Indie rock, metal, Spanish rock, rap, industrial, hip-hop, avant-garde, weird shit, jazz, punk rock, all within walking distance of each other. Going downtown for a show is quite the experience. So many people there, most probably not to enjoy the genius of a group of musicians, but uh, it just added to the experience. Many beautiful people were there to drink, dance, do drugs, and eventually fuck the night away. Uh, there were amazing record shops on the main drag next to the university. I'd never seen anything like it before. Not only could you catch very talented local acts, but many, if not all of the major minor touring acts would roll through Austin most nights of the week. I never had to listen to Spanish music again, if I so wished, but that was when I started to miss it. I started listening to mariachi music and these Mexican poets like Jose Alfredo Jimenez and Vicente Fernandez. They sang songs about drinking beer and tequila, lost love, guns, and horses. The Spanish music I liked was played on nylon string guitars, acoustic basses, trumpets, violins, and singers that expressed their emotions through deeply resonant operatic vocal styles. It brought me back to my childhood family parties and perhaps spoke to my inner instincts that laid dormant. Rule number 12, listen to an artist with a different perspective. Women are like the moon, mysterious, magical. And when their full splendor is revealed, my bestial nature possesses me like a werewolf. What chance do I have of understanding that? I could barely understand myself but I can listen to their art and hopefully listen enough to get an inkling of their experience, to listen to their joys and sorrows. Uh, Courtney Love's band, Hole, really affects me, stabs me right through the heart. In the song, Softer Softest, she says that pea girl gets the belt. I can feel the pain of this young girl getting whooped because she had uh, an accident. Her parents are angry and frustrated with their unruly child and this poor little girl bears the bronze of their large, angry hands. She is the widow of one of my favorite artists, Kurt Cobain. She goes on to say, the abyss, the abyss opens up, takes everything from me. Is she talking about Kurt, other people, parents, her innocence? I don't know exactly, but I feel her pain of missing those that have passed away, never to return. I am in awe of the power of music, 
to let us, to a limited degree, experience someone else's life, emotions, and reality, and then find that their experience perfectly mirrors our own. The artist Sia has his Christmas album, which has become a modern holiday classic to her fans and myself. One of my favorite songs on the album is Underneath the Mistletoe. In the song, she reveals that she has a crush who she adores. She is a woman on fire waiting for him. What is interesting to me is that the video for the song depicts a story about a snowman who rescues a little girl who was lost out in the woods on a winter's night. They have a good time and they care for each other. The snowman is a bit on the ugly side and though he wants to enjoy the warmth of a fire and some time underneath the mistletoe with her, he is physically unable to join her. So tragic. You and me here underneath the mistletoe, mistletoe, I adore you. A snowy night, a woman on fire, I'm waiting for you. This cute young girl could never consummate a relationship with an ugly snowman, but he loves her and he saved her from death. He brought her home to her family and stood outside her house in the cold. She would never love him, but there he stood, hoping for some acknowledgement, some small sign of affection. I've felt the same longing in many ways, this longing to be adored by someone that probably never would or never will. Once I saw a girl standing outside in a hard rain with no umbrella. I ran to her under my umbrella and offered it to her. She rejected it. I said, okay, and went home. I wanted to save her, help her, come to her rescue. I didn't want anything in return. Maybe a small token of her appreciation as I stood outside in the cold. Uh, well, anyway, I have that longing and Sia perfectly captured it in the Christmas song. Okay, guys, I'm back. We're about to do uh, rule number 13. Uh, listen to music while fucking, a soul full of swords. I don't know how I came across this little story, but it's fucked with me ever since I heard it. Uh, way back in my high school days, I was not uh, that great in the sack. For one, you know, our culture fears sex and tries to ignore it in hopes that it will just disappear. And it's the same approach America uses for racism and obesity. Um, I had this weird fear of being rejected, compounded with the fear of putting a girl I adored into some weird predicament where she had to reject my advances. Oh, and also a healthy dose of religious guilt. I could not handle all that pressure back then. I made sure that if something was to happen between a girl and myself, that there could be no misunderstandings. I was loath to make the first move. Now, this is not a bad stance, though it resulted in me taking very few chances and many missed opportunities. I can tell you one instance where I have severe regrets that resulted from a strange stance. So this is what messed with me. Uh, in fact, I cannot listen to the song L.A. Woman without feeling pangs of jealousy and a sword twisting my soul's innards. I knew a girl. Uh, she was cute, had cute tits, and loved Guns N' Roses. Um, you know, we did a lot of uh, heavy petting and, you know, lots of orgasms in my pants. Um, damn, who did my laundry? Was I walking around with cum stains on outright visible in my pants, uh, lots of dry humping behind the movie theater on the couch when her parents weren't home. Uh, thanks for letting me do that, I guess. I really had no idea how to please a lady. Uh, you could have said something. I would have been open to criticism, and I would have been happy to oblige. 
Anyway, she must have been way more experienced than I because somehow I came across a story I'm about to tell you. Uh, I feel weird just thinking about it. But here it is. So somehow I found out that when this nice young lady was having sex, she liked to listen to the Doors song, Ellie Woman, because it's got this part where Jim Morrison sings, Mr. Mojo Razin, first at a slow pulsing beat, then gradually escalating the rhythm like an engine warming up, pistons pounding. He repeats, Mr. Mojo Razin, Mr. Mojo Razin. Gotta keep on rising until he and the music reach a frantic pace. All the while, she is fucking this guy, matching the song beat for beat. She was riding both the dude and the waves of music in an erotic frenzy, I imagine, anyway. Uh, it turns out Mr. Mojo Rising is an anagram of Jim Morrison. So she picked a good song, uh, as well as a reference to his dick, right? He used to call his dick uh, Mr. Mojo Rising or something. Uh, so in my mind, this nice young lady, who I respect and tip my hat to, was effectively fucking this dude and Jim Morrison. Fucking wild. Um, yeah, it's pretty strange. I don't know. You know, hats off to her, right? Like I said, that's a fun thing. Uh, I am pretty sure she told me this story. In fact, I prefer that she told me this story and that I didn't find out from somebody else. Kind of. Um, at the time, I was not jealous. I was kind of awestruck, and still to this day, because she was fucking to her heart's content in a wild way to the music of Jim Morrison. Amen, right? Uh, I wish it was me she was fucking, but oh well. Uh, the story changed the meaning of the song for me. Maybe someday I could fuck to the song. Maybe not. Probably not. But we'll see. Uh, but the point is, fuck to some music. Make these memories that will change music for everyone involved. And if you're a musician, Make some music that people can fuck to and hide your cock or pussy in a song like Jim did. It's pretty sexy. I can write forever about music and how it has been a constant companion throughout my life. Um, Virginia Woolf wrote an article in which she detailed her method of reading novels. It was the inspiration for my essay here about listening to music. At the end of her essay, she said that at the end of the world, we have already found heaven. I thought this was an incredibly esoteric statement that brought to mind tarot card 20, a judgment, which depicts the literal end of the world. In the card, we see an angel blowing a horn as the dead are resurrected. I want to take it a step further for my essay. Let's look at card 21, the world, which depicts a fully realized human being that has become holy. In listening to music, we have heard the voice of the muses and explored the depths of our own souls, recognize the spirit of the world, and become whole. And becoming whole is what it's all about, and I think that's why it's the last card in, um, in the tarot deck, because um, it's completion, right? And so by listening to music and listening to stories, we become whole. That's my theory anyway. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed um, how to listen to an album. I worked hard on it for a while. <laughs> I think I started it in 2020, so it did take a while. Um, but yeah, so this is the kind of stuff I'm going to do. I'm going to do uh, writings and thoughts and essays, 
read them and see what happens. I hope you enjoyed it. Everything is all right. Everything is all right. 